I want to share with you um, something really shared this morning at our sunrise service. I'm going to invite you, if you would, uh, in your Bible real quick. We're going to read the, the Easter story in Luke chapter 24. And, um, you know, as we think about Easter today, I, I'm so reminded, you know, we obviously have a reason to celebrate. We were just singing that, amen, because great is his faithfulness, amen. Even when we are not faithful, God is faithful because the word says that he cannot deny himself. And, uh, man, as we think about you know, the blessings of Easter today, Christianity is so unique uh, compared to the other religions of the world because Christianity has the, the only person who ever said that they would die and on the third day rise again from the dead, proving uh, that who they were, that they were indeed God. Many people claim to be God, but Jesus proved it by the fact that he went to a cross and he died, and three days later he rose again from the grave, just as he said that he would do. And you think about, you know, in the world today, I mean, Christmas is something that is celebrated pretty much universally. You can go on any continent and obviously, you know, Christmas is celebrated in some way, shape or form. I mean, you think about it, you know, how threatening is a baby being born into the world, right? That, that doesn't really set people off. But when you think about Easter, that's what makes the claim of Christianity unique, and it's really where the road is divided. Because, put it this way, you can be a non-believer and celebrate Christmas. Many people do around the world, right? But you cannot be a Christian without celebrating Easter, because Easter is what everything hinges upon. The Apostle Paul, you remember in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, you know, we preach, you know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he goes, and some of you say that there is no resurrection. And there's many people that believe that there is no resurrection today. And he said, but if there is no resurrection, so we understand this. He goes, if there is no resurrection, he said, then we are still dead in our trespasses and our sins. And he said, and then as Christians of all the people, Paul said, that are alive in this world that have ever lived, he said, Christians should be the most pitied amongst all people. Because why? Because we believed a lie. But Easter was the proof that everything that Jesus said was true. And so when you read this with me, think about it from that perspective, that first Easter morning. Because the world wasn't a joyful celebration like it is today. You have to think about this in, in terms of, of Good Friday. They've just come through the worst week of their life. This, this man, Jesus, whom they loved and who they believed in the things that he had said, ultimately was taken from them. And, and scripture tells us that it wasn't that he just suffered, but that he was tortured. You know, you read the book of Isaiah and it says that, you know, they literally, they plucked his beard out. They pulled, literally pulled his face off and, 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 and then beat him. And scripture says beyond recognition. And then ultimately he would go to a cross where he would be pierced through his his wrist and his feet, and then a spear thrust into his side. I shared on, on Friday how uh, at our Good Friday service that, you know, when they pierced his side, it says that water came out. Water came out of his side. And, and medical examiners will tell us that the reason for that was pretty simple. It was that the pericardium, the sac around the heart, had burst. Meaning in the truest sense, you know, yes, Jesus was crucified on the cross. But you could say that he died of a broken heart. You know, the Bible says that he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That, that's why he came, the Lamb of God, to take away 
the sins of the world. And yet at the same time, we saw, as he looked out over Jerusalem, the very people that he came and he lived and he died for, first and foremost, was first to the Jew and then the Gentile. They rejected him. They rejected their salvation. It says, and he wept. And he was crying to think that you know, they had missed it. The people that actually had the word of God, you know, knew the scriptures, the law of Moses. And yet he was right in front of them. And it broke his heart because he isn't willing that any would perish, but his desire is that all would come to repentance, that all would truly recognize him. But as the song declared, great is his faithfulness. For even when they were faithless, he remained faithful. It didn't deter him. His love led him to the cross. And if you read with me here this morning, we'll, we'll read Luke chapter 24. We'll pick it up in, in verse 1. Read a few, all the way down to verse uh, 11 here. Uh, and we'll stop there here this morning. But I want to read this with you. This is what you know, happened on that first Easter morn. Like I said, it's not a great celebration like it is today. And we'll understand it as we read this together. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, it says the women went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so they went in, it says, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there, think of these key words, puzzled, it says, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and they bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here he is risen from the dead. And then look at this key word. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. It says, then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples, because remember at this point, Judas has gone out and hung himself. It says, and everyone else who happened to be there. It says it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. And then what does it say that the apostles, their response was, it says, but the story sounded like nonsense. These were the, these were the, the, the apostles. It says nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and he ran to the tomb. We read in another account, he and John raced to the tomb and be noted that John was faster than Peter. He got there first, but John stopped short. Peter then caught up, slid into the tomb. So Peter in one sense got there first. I love how scripture doesn't, you know, it just tells it like it is, you know. It says, however, Peter jumped up and he ran to the tomb. Stooping, he peered in and he saw the empty uh, linen wrappings. Then he went home again wondering what happened, wondering, still wondering. And, and scripture tells us that, you know, when Jesus died, what did they all do? It says they all went back to what they were doing before they had met Jesus. You could say for them on Good Friday, when Jesus was crucified, hope died. But on Easter Sunday, hope was resurrected. And one of the, the great blessings when you think about that is, you know, when Jesus resurrected from the dead, what happened and began to happen in all their minds, like I said, they had heard all these teachings, but they'd forgotten everything. They didn't remember anything. I, I find comfort. I just want to tell you that uh, because I forget a lot. I, I shared in, in our sunrise service yesterday, kiddingly with Jason, 
uh, I said, Jason, I said, hey, can you send me a text to remind me to buy dinner for a couple in our church on Saturday night? And he said, sure. So he, he did something, you know, I can't do it on my phone. Some of you can. I'm not, I'm technically challenged, just to put it that way. He talked into his phone. He just said like, hey, phone, uh, remind me in a couple hours, remind Pastor Mike to buy dinner. Da -da. And he did it. And then a couple hours later, I'm at home. Guess what? I forgot all about buying dinner. All of a sudden, I get a text from Jason. Jason's going, hey, remember to go to dinner? Thank you. Thank you. Why? Because I forget the things that I need to remember. Is there anybody in here that can relate to that at all? Do you, do you forget things? Yeah. And I remember everything that I should forget, right? And, and, I, and I, so I read this story, and I get it, because that first Easter, they were heartbroken. All they remembered was the terrible things that had happened that last week. You know, Jesus was betrayed. You know, by friends, right? He denied. I mean, think about Peter. You know, Jesus said, hey, before rooster crows, you know, you'll deny me three times. And it says, and their eyes met. Can you imagine looking in the eyes of Jesus after you betrayed him? I go, yeah, I can, I can picture that in my own heart and mind. And what did Jesus do? Did he not go to the cross? No. From the cross, he's crying out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so, as I, I think of all these things, you know, that that they went through. I, I get it, you know, that, that Easter morning, that they didn't remember anything. They needed, just like us, you know, we need to come together. It's one of the great blessings of the church is to come together. Scripture says is to be reminded. Jesus said, you know, he's going to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit when he would ascend back to the Father. And he said, and the Holy Spirit will do what? He'll bring to remembrance all the things that I've told you. Thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that we would just appreciate that, that, you know, God wants us to remember. And he also wants us to forget certain things. He says, forget the past. You know, for some of us today, it's the thing that's, that's harming you and moving forward. You can't let go of the past. That's the beauty of forgiveness. That, that's the beauty of, of life in Christ. That's the beauty of the resurrection. The resurrection is, a, is living proof that you can get a do-over in life. You can start fresh. You can be, as scripture says, born again. By simply receiving the forgiveness that God has offered to you on the cross. And the proof that it, that, it, that it held, that it took, was on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, just as he said. I wanted to do something this morning, you know, with you. You know, as we, we look at that, you know, that text. And, and I'm going to share with you a few more passages of scripture here. But before we do that, I just want to stop for a moment. And just ask God to use just these few moments that we'll have as we're going we're gonna to do this a little bit different. It's not so much a monologue this morning as much as it's a dialogue between us. You, you have an opportunity uh, to participate today. And I want you to think about these verses that we're going to be talking about. We talk about the faithfulness of God in worship this morning. And we serve a faithful God. But you know what our problem is? And it's what hinders us is we tend to forget the promises of God. We forget what Jesus has done for us. When we think about Easter, yes, it's, it's, it's Easter. It's the celebration of the resurrection. But, but what does that mean to you personally in your life? You can go ahead and answer that wherever that's coming. No, you can talk to him now because I turned it on. <laughs> Tell them they probably couldn't be here. So now they're here. Hello. <laughs> oh, it's okay because they're 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 on now. But let's do this. So let's pray and uh, 
Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for just a wonderful time of singing your praises. And again, I just thank you for our worship team. There, there's just no way that we can uh, really appreciate all the sacrifice that goes into putting this together. It looks so easy. We watch it, you know, um, video clips, and we don't realize how much time and effort and energy goes into making those those so good. And uh, from our IT guys to the worship team, everybody that's involved, that. Uh, Lord, we do it because you're worthy. You're worthy of the best that we have to offer. And Lord, thank you that on our worst days, Lord, when we fail miserably, your love for us doesn't change. You don't love us any more uh, on our best days and you don't love us any less on our worst days. Your love is so consistent. That's what makes you so awesome, so, so great, so good. And Lord, today, we just want, again, want to say thank you. Thank you for going to the cross for us in our place. Thank you for securing for us, eternal life, those who place their hope and their trust in you. And my prayer, our prayer this morning, those that love you, Lord, who have been saved by you, we pray that God, if there's anyone yet to receive you as Savior and Lord, that today would be that day. We, we don't know when you're going to return, but God, that could be today. And Lord, we don't want our friends, our family, we don't want them to miss it, God. Open up their eyes, their ears, just as you opened up ours. And be glorified today. That's why you came, Lord, that we have the privilege to magnify and glorify you. And, and how freeing it is for us when we do. That even when we're worshiping you, in the sense we become the benefactors. Because we experience your peace and your love and your joy. We, we comprehend your presence amongst us. Thank you for that today. I pray your blessing over your church, God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So... With this, like I said, there's, you know, a few things when I think about the faithfulness of God, you know, the Bible is filled with promises. And there was, you know, like I said, I, I know that I, I forget them. I know one of the great joys, the blessings, especially on an Easter Sunday like this is to come and to go, you know, God has been so faithful. And because of the fact that his resurrection, that we now know, you know, this is what they failed to comprehend, but we know that every promise that Jesus made is true. And for them, they had to be reminded of it. You know, they needed to remember and oh, what happened when they did. Look at the transformation that took place. They went from being cowards to being courageous. And you go, why? Because they realized what Jesus had told them, right? He said, you know, I'm the resurrection and the life. He believes in me. He said, though you were dead, yet shall he live. And then he made such a wonderful statement to them that brought, again, so much courage to their lives. He said, and he who believes in me will never die. And then he went on to do what? To raise Lazarus from the dead, right? Right in front of their very eyes. Someone who, like I said, he, he'd been in the grave four days. We talked about this on Good Friday. He stinketh, some of your translations say. He was experiencing decomposition in his body. And so they were been kind of worried about that. All of a sudden, Lazarus comes forth unto what? Unto new life. I want you to know that today. You know, in, in Christ, there's new life. There, there's, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've gone through, the scripture says, you know, that his, his arm isn't too short that he can't save you. And his ear isn't deaf that he can't hear you. That if you'd cry out to him, the scripture says, those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And the proof of it is, is Easter Sunday. And so 
there's some promises, and I shared these this morning. I just wanted to share them with you again and give you an opportunity to, to hear yourself. It's one thing if I say it, I, I can remember it, but you go, man, if you, if you hear it and you say it, you read it, your ability to comprehend it is greater each and every time. And like I said, if you're like me, there's, there's moments in your life where the things that you really should hold on to, which is the Word of God, you know, when you think about the, the two men on the road to Emmaus, I'll encourage you to read that story there. It says they didn't recognize Jesus, right? And you think about that and you go, but it says the Lord kept them from seeing who he was. And there's a reason for that, I believe, because he didn't want them to recognize him any longer by sight because they weren't going to see him anymore. He wanted them to recognize him the same way that you and I recognize him by faith. And how did they recognize Jesus? Same way you do that. I know I get to talk with you guys all the time. I love it. I can be somewhere in town. I can be traveling anywhere around the world. And if I hear somebody start to use scripture, what does that do? Like you hear a conversation, all of a sudden somebody uses a verse of scripture. You can be walking along and you go, what was that? You know, it, it sparks your interest, right? And you want to listen in. And then sometimes, you know, it's like you go, so you're a Christian. Yeah. You're a Christian? Yeah. Yeah. I love, I heard you. I heard you quoting Jesus, you know, and it, there's something about that. Well, that's what happens. Faith comes by what? And hearing comes by. Yeah. So in that, here's Jesus. Again, it's how he does it today. He reveals himself through his word. What does scripture Jeremiah tells us that if you will seek God, I can promise you this today. If you'll seek God with all of your heart, he said, what will happen? You will find me. He said, when you seek me with all of your heart, he wants to make himself known to you. He will reveal himself to you. All you have to do is seek him. And so here's some promises. I'm going to run, these, run through these with you and then we'll, we'll send you on your way. The first promise I think of, you know, these are great bookends here. It's probably the one that means the most to us. Because of the resurrection... Because of the faithfulness of God's promises, first and foremost, I don't have to die. And you don't have to die. Amen? Again, somebody looked this up, and we've got Jason, and I think it's John over there too. Um, we've, got, they've got, they've got a handheld mic, so they're going to come up to you so you can read this aloud. You can share this with us this morning. Somebody turn to John chapter 14, verse 19. When you, got, when you find John 14, 19, you can read this. Raise your hand. And some of you will not raise your hand because you don't want to read it. But I get that. That doesn't mean that you're not a good Christian. That just means you don't like public speaking. And that's okay. But you can share that. John chapter 14, verse 19. You can read this. Anybody got it? Okay. Jason's right behind you. Just read it aloud. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I've, since I live, you will also live. Since I live, he said, what? You will also, is that a promise? Yes. And how do we know that that promise is true? Easter Sunday. That's the proof that everything Jesus said is true. You can take him at his word. How about John chapter 11 Verses 25 and 26. John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. The faster you raise your hand and read it, the sooner we get out of here. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's, it's not my problem. Today, if we get out of here late, it's your fault. Okay? It is on you. Okay? First time in history, but it is on you. 
John chapter 11, 25 and 26. Do we have a prize? And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? The question is today, do you believe this? He wasn't just asking that to Martha. Do you believe this? And I hope and pray that the answer is yes. And people go, well, wait, Pastor Mike, we got to die. Well, it's like this. If, if we said, what's the definition of death? It's something dies and it's no more, right? That's it. It's gone. Boom. Done. Kaput. Whatever you want to say. But if you supposedly die and then you wake up and you're alive, you don't call that dead. You probably would call that sleeping. Now, some people look like they're dead when they're sleeping, but in the truest sense, you go, if you supposedly die and then you open your eyes, you have just gone to sleep. That's what death is called for the believer, for the Christian, because we will close our eyes, but we will open them right back up in the very presence of God. That's what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, to be absent from the body is what? Be present with the Lord. Yeah, that's the promise that we have from God. The second thing, I don't have to be a slave to sin. When Jesus died, he died not only for the, to pay the penalty of my sin and your sin, but his death also did what? It broke the power of sin in my life, in your life. And how do we know that? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't have to be a slave to sin. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Somebody read that. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. When you find it, you're willing to read it, just raise your hand. They will find you. John's coming. There you go. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Galatians 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. The liberty that Christ has made us what? Free. You've been set free. Now you can go back to your old way, but that's a choice that you make. You don't have to go back. When we go back as believers, it's not because, you know, sin made us do it. It's because we chose to go back. And God's calling us to what? Forget the things which are back and press on to the upward call of God that's in Christ Jesus. And we can do that because of this next one. Number three, because I am a new creation. You aren't who you once were. That is, you need to remember that today. You'll, we forget that. You aren't who you once were. I look out and I see John Border. John I coined this when he used to work with me in our youth department. He would tell the kids because he was, he was raised Catholic like I was. And he would just tell the kids, he'd say, hey, I just want you to know, he goes, I'm not holier than thou. I'm just holier than I used to be. You know? And always, always that stuck with me. It's just a great, great reminder that that's what he who began a good work in us is what? Faithful to complete it. Yeah. As Larry mentioned, you know, God loves you, you know, in the sense, just like you are, but he loves you too much. What? To leave you that way. And that's why he works. That's the work of sanctification. Second Corinthians 517. Somebody read that for us. Second Corinthians 517. When you're ready. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ 
has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Don't you love that? A new life has begun. When you came to Jesus Christ, no matter how good you might have been, a new life has begun. And if you didn't have such a good life, that's even better news, amen? To know that if you're in Christ, old things have passed away. Behold, he says, all things have become what? New. And as Lamentations says, reminds us in Lamentations 3.23, but the mercies of God, they're new every morning and great is his faithfulness. We need to remember that, amen? We need to remind each other of that. Number four, I don't have to live in fear. I, don't, I can't share this with you enough because all the things going on in the world today, even for believers, fear is trying to always grip our heart. 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Somebody read that. 1 John 4, 16 through 18. We don't have to live in fear. Why? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. If not even death can hold you down, then what else do we have to fear? 1 John 4, 16 through 18. Somebody have it? Jason, you guys have pictures up here in the front. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears not been made perfect in love. Yeah, so you're reminded, you know, that as Romans 8 tells us, there's therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus, amen? There's no downward judgment from God for those that are in Christ Jesus. You don't need to fear death. You don't need to fear the wrath of God anymore. That's what we see on the cross is God poured out his wrath on his son so that he could pour out his blessings upon us. That's the beauty of Easter. Number five, I don't have to worry. Let me, by show of hands, how many, well, honestly, you might worry about one or two things Every once in a while, every once in a while. Yeah, I do every day. And I have to, and I have to say this to myself. Scripture doesn't say that you're not going to worry. Scripture says that a lot of us lie because you didn't raise your hand. Cause you do, you know, it's like, you know, oh, I don't worry about anything. You know, you'd be out. So, you know, it's like, but you don't have to worry. First Peter five, seven, first Peter five, seven. Somebody have that. Somebody, you should, somebody knows that by heart. Raise your hand because we can't play the game. Jason, you are. Jason's on it like a bee on honey. First Peter 5, 7. First Peter 5, 7. Casting all your fear upon him because he cares for you. Casting all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. I need to hear that today. Casting all my cares upon him. 
because he cares for you. That's the God we serve. Number six, because God, he wants good things for you. Now, this can sound like a health and wealth and, wealth and prosperity you know, statement here. That God, You realize God wants good things for you? It, God's not withholding good things from you. He keeps things from us when he realizes if he was to give us good things, that would stand between us and God. But if it won't stand between you and God, he will just, you look at you, well, how come some people have all these things? And you go, for the most part, you go, because they probably don't covet it. They don't, they're not seeking it. It's just something that's there flows through their life, just like water. They're just a conduit of, you know, God blesses them as freely as the Lord gives, you know, what do we do? We receive, we give, we, we receive it, we give it, we receive it, we give it. Romans eight twenty eight. Somebody share that. Romans eight twenty eight. You have that. John's coming right to you. Romans eight twenty eight. Well, we. Ooh, hello, is it working? <laughs> all right, hang on. I was just there. For we know that all things work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. All things work together for good to them that love God. Everything. Number seven, important truth that we can know because of the resurrection. I'm never alone. I'm never alone. Hebrews 13, five. A couple more and we'll let you go. Hebrews 13, five. You'll thank me later because you go, man, I'm glad he reminded me of that because I, I forget that. I'm never alone. Hebrews 13, 5. Don't oh, they've read in the back. Sorry. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have for God has said. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Amen. Hebrews 13, 5, mine says, the NLT translation, don't love money, be satisfied with what you have, for God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. And the cross is proof. He will never abandon you. Number eight, just as important, God wants to answer my prayers. God wants to answer my prayers. Matthew chapter seven, verses seven and eight. Somebody want to share that? Matthew chapter seven, all the way up here in the front, John. Keep coming, John. Ray, keep your hand real high so John can see it. We're, we're elderly and we can't see things very well. We're, I'm looking at squinting. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And what, what's your name? Lupe. What is it? Lupe. Lupe? Man, Larry, we need to get her voice. Yeah, we, we, need, we want to put a, a, like, do our rendition of, you know, Orson Welles reading the Bible. But could, Lupe, could you do that for us? I was just, I was just finding comfort as you were reading. I was like, man, that, I could listen to that voice all night in the... <laughs> We're not going to go there. That's a whole nother sermon. 
Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. See, a lot of us, we think, you know, we ask things from God that his answers either yes or no, you know. And sometimes it's just keep on asking, be persistent. Sometimes it's just to check our heart to see if we, if we really, really want it. Number nine, I have a home in heaven. I have a home in heaven. John chapter 14, verse three. Yeah, some of you have other verses already, that, and that's the beauty of it. John chapter 14, verse three. Remember, this particular verse comes in a chapter where Jesus had just told his disciples that he was going to the cross and he was going to suffer and die. And they were heartbroken. And this is the very first thing that he told them in that. And that's why it's important to understand things in context. They, they were sad and they were sorrowful because he was saying that he was leaving and, and the way that he was leaving, they didn't even comprehend. And this is the, this was his response. John chapter 14, verse three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Amen. Jesus reminded them first and foremost, hey, this isn't in vain. Where I'm going, I go to prepare a place for you personally. That where I am, you can be also. And the most important thing and the thing that I want to leave each and every one of you with, it's really how we started you know, today, is that you'd understand this more than anything else. That God loves you. He loves you personally, individually. You were fearfully and wonderfully made by God. He created you for himself. But sin has separated us from God. Our sin, the sin of Adam, even before us. And yet that's why Jesus came. He came, he who, Scripture says, knew no sin, became sin for us. So that in him, we could become the righteousness of God. That's what love does. Love, like Larry was talking about the worship team. When you love somebody, you, you suffer for them. You, you, you press through and you persevere. And, and you think of all the things that, you know, even our worship team went through this week. I mean, it'd been easy just to throw the towel in. You go, but when you sit back and then you're reminded of what Jesus has done for us. And he says, you love me because I first loved you. And when you comprehend, you know, the pain and the suffering, the hurt and the sorrow and all the things that he went through, you go, wow, he must love me a lot. And he did. He basically said, you know, if someone's going to hell, they're going to go there over my dead body. That's not his heart for me, for you, but that all of us would come to repentance. I'll read this. Obviously we'll say it together here. If you know it by heart, you can say it with me. John chapter three, verse 16 about God's love for us. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Think about that. You know, I have three kids of my own and I wouldn't offer them for, for anybody. Not as many grandkids as Larry and Mona have. We've got about one third as many, but no, eight. And I look at that and I'm thinking, wow, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, I was reminded of a, it was a late night talk show uh, they were interviewing a, he was an actor talking about his wife. And he said, you know, I love my wife. He said, I would do anything for her. I mean, she is my, my night, my day. I mean, the sun rises and sets in her eyes. 
He goes, if somebody tried to harm her, they'd have to, they'd have to kill me. And he said, and then we had our first child. And I thought, if someone tried to hurt my child, and my wife and I were there, he said, I would throw my wife in front of them to save my child, you know? <laughs> and, you, and you think about that, what it happens, you know, with regard to our love for our kids, and to think what God would do by giving his one and only son to save you and to save me, that is love, amen? Don't ever lose sight of the cross and don't ever lose sight of the resurrection because that is the proof of God's love for me and you. There is no greater expression. People can say it, but a picture, as they say, is worth a thousand words, amen? He loves you. The question is, do we love him? My hope and my prayer today, before you go, if you've never received Christ, you haven't received the forgiveness of your sin, that you'd open your heart to him today. And if you do that, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to help you take those next steps. You go, what do, what do I do from here to demonstrate you know, that I, I love him? And it's a wonderful journey of faith that begins with a single step of receiving him. He said, all who receive him, Jesus, he gives the right to become the children of God. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We'll close in prayer. And the worship team will send you out with one last glorious song. Father, we thank you so much. Again, for the privilege it is to, to come and to worship you together. To open up your word and to share it with each other. To do exactly what you said to do. This is what the church does. We come together once a week and, and we stir one another up to love and to good works. Not trying to earn your love, because we have your love, but to live a life that's a reflection of that love. And I pray that for each and every one of us, Lord, that as we go out this week, that the love of Christ, as Paul would say, is what constrains us. It's what controls our life. It's what governs our thoughts. It's how we can love our enemies and we can love those that persecute us and who use us and, and take advantage of us and not turn our back on them the same way that, Lord, you didn't turn your back on me. You didn't turn your back on us. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for being perfect in every way, shape, and form. Thank you for being so real with us that, Lord, you came and you lived amongst us. You showed us the love of the Father. You revealed it to us in the way that you spoke to us, the way that you cared for us, the way that you lived for us, and ultimately the way that you would die for us. May every heart here know that love today. May every home, Lord, be captivated by it. We love you, Lord Jesus. That's all we can say. We love you. You are so good. Be glorified. Be magnified, we pray. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. amen.